Welcome everyone. You were listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. Uh, the the update, the update, the countdown update is uh, Eagle was giving me a countdown this time and I just wasn't looking. I was just scrolling through Instagram. So I had to like wave my hand yeah. in a fancy <laughs> fashion to try and draw vision in this peripheral. Yeah. Um, see, benefits of being in studio. Um, we would have to restart. Yeah, because otherwise show. you wouldn't be looking at all. No, <laughs> no. Um, we would have to restart the show completely. Um, and we got a good show. We got a good show. Uh, Terry Tam joins me, of course, and IMPs, and this is Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Podcast Network. Um, Terry, how's it going? I am fantabulous. Nice. Fantabulous. Uh, uh, well, we have a guest today. Um, Stephanie Medeiros uh, from ABB, and uh, she's involved with Formula E, which is sort of the uh, sustainable racing uh, league. She's going to join us and talk to us about that. It's cool. I like sort of off-kilter sports. Like, you know, for example, we all played flag football for years and years and years and years. And so it's kind of cool when, when sort of someone has an idea. So someone down the line had an idea for like, hey, why don't we race electric vehicles? And that turns into a whole thing that becomes worldwide and televised. And so um, it's super cool. Um, it's kind of like rooting for the underdog, right? Uh, they're not NASCAR. They're not F1. So it's, it's kind of cool to, to, to look into that. I like, uh, yeah, you know, anything different. I'm always, I'm always game for you know, and I'm always, as long as I can put money on it, that's all that matters. Yeah, obviously, that's and and the thing yeah. is, like, we're gonna talk. We we already did the interview. Um, we're gonna talk to her, and you're gonna hear us talk to her. Um, and when we do, she talks about how unpredictable of a sport it is. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, Terry and I are gonna have some fun with Formula E. <laughs> like, we're just gonna rip money at these at these cars <laughs> without knowing anything, and it doesn't matter because nobody knows anything. Where's the, the pink car? Better. I want the pink car is gonna win. I just have a feeling. That's yeah, I'm, I'm gonna name them like horses, and then yeah. and based on the names that I gave them, choose the the name I like best. Yeah, exactly. First car to I'm wear gonna, pants. That one. That's gonna be a good name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other names can we have for like for like electric cars? Hmm, that's not bad. Um, uh, no petroleum, no problem. That's not bad. That's not gas bad. my ass. <laughs> um, gas my ass is a sick car. Like if I think we should get into Formula E and name the car Gas My Ass. That's not bad. That's not bad. Also, you can just keep the title of the movie uh, Deuce Bigelow Electric Boogaloo. Or, or like from the or gas is only for my ass. Mm. What's the Jason Statham movie where he gets electrocuted? Um, over and over again, charged, crank, Zach? crank, oh, crank, crank, crank has crank. to be a car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he needs to keep. His, it's basically um, speed, but the bus is his heart. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and then his partner driver on the same team is cranked too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Um, I like it. I like it. We should we should definitely just start our own federation, Formula E plus. You know, everyone's plus Disney plus ESPN plus Formula E plus. I Formula don't think F because F is better than E. That's true. I don't know. Why. I don't think or it works D. that way. Formula D. One letter better than another. Because it's higher. Because seven, eight, nine does that work here? I was gonna say P is by far the best letter because it's four letters in one. It's true. That's true. How is it four letters in one? Because it's a P normally, but if you flip it on one axis, it becomes a Q. If you or flip it on D the other axis, it becomes a B. And if you flip it on the other axis, it becomes a D. You know I'll who's a D my, right now? I'll Eagle. show you my D. <laughs> um, so the Olympics are coming to a close. Um, Thank God. It's the Olympics I've cared the least about 
And I, maybe is it the time difference? I don't know what it is. So I've had a few thoughts about this. I think the time difference obviously doesn't help, but I think the other part of it is when we were kids, and I say because we're all around the same age, it mm-hmm. was like, oh, the Olympics are on TV. We're going to watch the Olympics as a family. We're going to check out the events and everything. And it's just what you did. And I think now it's come to a point of there's so much of everything everywhere all the time. Who fucking cares who wins the gold medal in a random sport you don't pay attention to for the other three and a half years of the year? Right? I also I also feel like um, every other year, you know, basketball and hockey would end. And then, yeah, there's baseball. But baseball is always a sport you kind of just watch in the background unless you're a passionate fan of a specific team. Um and as much as I like the Mets, I'm not the same. I'm not the same kind of fed, fan for the Mets the same way I was for the Expos. So now, with the Olympics happening, with this compressed sports schedule, with basketball being pushed late, the N- the NHL being pushed late, um, I kind of felt like I didn't have a chance to get excited for the Olympics. Yeah, not that's true. even the basketball, which is normally the the Olympic event, summer or winter, that I like the most. Um, it's 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 hard. It's I I don't care. I don't care. And, and and it sucks because DeGrasse just won the 200 meter uh, for Canada, just won gold. I should be really happy. It's DeGrasse's second medal for Canada. We have uh, we, we have uh, another Canadian Olympian who just got a whole bunch of medals, and we'll talk about her later. Um, and again... The women are killing it. We're going to win a medal in so- women's soccer. And it, and that's it. We, we upset the Americans in soccer, which never happens. Like it's It's actually been a great Olympics, but... Between the games being on super light, between um, I'm still recovering from the NBA and now I've been reading up on all the draft picks because the draft also just happened. And I didn't, I didn't even have time to research them before the draft. So now I'm doing that, that reading later on. And it's it's so overwhelming. And it's like it's literally this thing on the side where I'll load up on my second screen at home and I never even look there. I, I never look there. And it's, uh, it's, it's been tough. I, you never even looked there. I don't even have it open. I haven't watched a single event of these Olympics. And usually I'm like tuned in. Yeah. I, I like the Winter Olympics a little bit better than the, the, the Summer Olympics. I don't. I guess it's maybe because of the hockey kind of gets me into it. You see, basketball but, does that for me normally, right? Yeah. And this time around, like, yeah, I'll, I'll have the game on, but I'm never even looking at it. It's just the only sort of pa- there. The only part of the Summer Olympics that I usually watch is the, uh, is the track and field. And I just didn't even know when it was on. I completely ignored it. And that happened today. My favorite Olympic story so far is of Belarusian Olympic sprinter Christina Tsiamuniskaya, I think is pronouncing her name. So right, long butchered. story short, she was critical of her coach and was basically told, We're, you're getting on a plane and you're going to become like a political prisoner for the rest of your life Jesus. and your family's getting threatened. So she had to go to the IOC to claim refugee and they're trying to ship me away without my uh, without my will. And now she's trying to find basically a refugee. I think she's in the, uh, I want to say German or Ch- or Czech uh, consulate right now or embassy in, in Japan or Tokyo to figure it all out and what's going on. It's crazy. How desperate do you have to be to go to the IOC for help? Like... <laughs> Poland. I know Poland. I, She's in Poland for humanitarian visa right now. I know the I know Belarus must be a terrifying place in some ways and in this way specifically. But you're going it's like going to the mafia and asking for help. Like, please, I might be murdered and like we'll take care of you, but the VIG's two hundred percent. Not 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 just the VIG. They're just gonna ask him they're gonna ask her for like favors. She's gonna have to like go take out some Canadian athlete, you know, some American athlete. She's gonna have to like Tanya Harding, Harding didn't want to swing that back. Yeah. She did, no, she no, did what she, she had to do. 
she just made fun of a Russian person, and all of a sudden she had she owed money to the IOC or to the to the KGP. Poor Nancy Kerrigan's like, why is this happening? Um, and now we know why because of the story we just made up on not sauce for work. Um, anyway, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, like like I said, great guest. Can't wait to we get to that interview as well. Uh, which I'm, of course I'm lying about because we pre-recorded the interview, but <laughs> nonetheless we didn't pre-record the news, so it's time for the the news. That stuff we talk about sometimes. Ah, Terry, it's the news. Um, Is it? Yeah. Sports has largely become about the uh, the offseason in, in a lot of senses. It's the time where fan bases have the most hope and there's a lot of excitement. Um, we see this all the time with the NFL and the NBA saw that formula and said, you know what, we're going to make a big deal about our offseason too. And they did. And this was a big day, but not a ton happened except the dollar amounts. Like for for people who don't who aren't basketball fans, like priority basketball fans, like the money to me when I see a hockey contract for like a star player, it's like, oh, how is he even gonna make his car payments? Because <laughs> 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 I just what I'm used to seeing in the NBA, um, and the fir- you know when the when the big ones is is a guy who's gonna end his contract at forty, um, CP3 getting a four-year, $120 million contract to stay with the Suns after turning down the one-year extension. Good for him, man. I'm ha- you know what? He's not going to win a championship unless he gets traded to a that team. That's pretty good, man. And, and yeah, the, I don't know. I think that was like a Cinderella is, run. Yes, because it's they're not ready yet, and, mm. and I think they're, they're like a couple of key pieces away. But um, they didn't make a playoff for – they didn't win a playoff series for over a decade. And then Chris Paul comes and they go to the, the, the finals. So when he goes to Robert Sarver, um, that's that's what him putting his D on the table, right? Like that's him saying, hey, listen, I was the most valuable player for your team this season. And yeah, the season didn't end the way they wanted to, but still it was exciting. It was fun. The fans were engaged. We all saw that. We saw the guy counting on his free throws with the money in his hand for some reason. Uh, they're, they're wild fans. Um, but it, it's a, it's interesting because the, the 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 way his his contract structured is a lot of the money is up front, so while Booker is still in his rookie rookie deal, they can afford to, to sign Aiton, they can afford to sign Bridges, um, and, and they can keep uh, Booker, so they can keep those four together for for the four years. So the window itself is probably closer to two or three years, which I'm kind of inclined to agree with you that I don't think a championship is in their sights at that point, but it'll help sort of Booker get to that point where maybe when Paul's done, they can recruit the next version. Or when Paul's earning, I don't remember the, the third and fourth years, but when he's earning a little bit less, they can bring in a key shooter or something to, to give them that or a point guard to, to, to take some minutes off of Paul's shoulders. And maybe Paul becomes more of a sixth man at that point. And maybe that's the, his path, which is crazy to think about. One of the greatest point guards of all time, the way he'll get a, a championship is as a, maybe as a sixth man in three years. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. And that's the thing, too. It's like, yeah, they're built for the future, obviously. And the fact that they can do this and, you know, save some money. I mean, I, I never understood basketball contracts. I always thought it's like, how do they afford anybody else on the team? But then you realize there's only like 10 people on per team, 10 to so, 12 people per team. Th- that was actually going to be my question because I am not a big basketball guy. And so there's terms and things I don't yeah, understand when it comes to contracts. 
and there's two in particular. Give if you could explain them to me, me in me. a fancy fashion. So one is the super max, okay. and two is the idea of a sign and trade. So what is a super max? Why do you do it? And why would you do a sign and trade for? So super maxes were introduced because of, first of all, there's a maximum contract in basketball. So you, right now I, I don't remember the exact amount, but there's let's say let's just use this as a, people are gonna say oh you got the numbers wrong. Who cares? The numbers wrong. Let's just say 35 million as a clean number. This number is about five years old. It's 35 million dollars. Let's say. And then the Supermax is intended because anyone could want to leave and play with other players. And, and, the, and the idea of like, well, why would, I take super, why would I take my maximum contract, you know, in, for example, Milwaukee, where I can make that same money in New York City or L.A. and play, you know, or in L.A. and play with LeBron or whatever it is. Um, now, the Supermax was meant to try and keep players in their market, in the markets that drafted them or in the markets that initially gave them the, the big contract. So Giannis, for example, signs for the Supermax. So instead of being like 35 million, it's 41 million, which people are like, well, it's only 6 million. $6 million is a lot of money. You know, especially if you, if you extend it over five or six years, that's a big deal. So the idea was to try and keep superstars in our markets. It hasn't entirely paid off, but we do see cases like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, nobody doesn't do that extension to, from the rookie deal to the Supermax. It's never happened. Um... The last example of that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, if I understand this correctly, if you are already with a team, they can give you a supermax contract. Yeah. But if you go into free agency, another team cannot. They can offer only give you, you a maximum deal. I understand, yeah. but they can give you a in theory. Can mm -hmm. they give you a one-year deal on max, and then immediately give you an extension for? Well, they can. Um, it's con it's then there's a whole concept of bird years. Um, so the amount you're allowed to offer players is based on years of service in league and years of service I understand. In the, for the team. But there's mechanisms for that. LeBron James famously only takes one-year deals. Recently, he's been doing longer deals with the Lakers, but generally he was doing one-year deals in Cleveland, and, and his first contract, I believe, in, in L.A. was one year. Uh, for LeBron, had the, LeBron, LeBron had the luxury of doing those kinds of things, right? Like he knew he was yeah. always going to get the most amount we'll of money every KD single year. KD can do that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of guys. Yeah, there's, there's about 20 guys that can do that. With a, with a, a two-year deal with a player option, right, which is basically a one-year yeah. deal. Kevin Durant did the same thing. So like yeah. it's just it is it, the way basketball contracts it, it really they it favors the player a lot more yeah. than hockey contracts do, you know. They, so. they also have the the highest split between what the teams make and what the players make. Yeah. So they they get like I think 48% of the income which is massive. They're all they're partners with their teams basically. Exactly, so yeah. This might answer my second question. Mm -hmm. A sign in trade yeah, so is you ahead. sign a guy on Supermax and then you trade him. So for example, Anthony Davis was signed and then traded a year later. That's not exactly a sign and trade, but the idea is he wanted his Supermax deal and then was able to get traded to the Lakers. Right. So your current team is the only one that can offer it to you. So they yeah. give it to you and then they immediately trade you somewhere. Now, and the other thing is basketball, you need to match contracts. So in certain circumstances, you need to match all of the salary. You need to match the outgoing salary with the incoming salary. Some cases, it's 80%. Some cases, it's 60%. Um, so the the way a sign and trade works in a lot of cases is someone tell Kawhi Leonard for example was uh, a sign and trade away from Toronto to the Clippers and the reason why is because he was on good terms with Jerry and, and the rest of the uh, the the, uh, the management and he said well I'll do you guys a favor I'm not going to leave for nothing I'll sign a deal and then you're going to get back assets in return and so they got draft picks and they got um, they got they got a lot they got a decent haul back obviously not to the 
caliber of Kawhi Leonard, but, but better than the superstar is always the most valuable. Thing. Off and you get nothing, right? Exactly, exactly. It, so, prote- it, pro- it protects the teams too. Like Kawhi can yeah. be like the good guy and say, "Listen, I know I'm going to get this amount because the league only allows me to get this amount. So just give it to me, and then I just want out of here. Just trade me, and that's basically me, it. And this way, like I, said, yeah. I can leave as a free agent, but this way, I'm not putting you out in lurch. I'm not putting you in a bad situation. Exactly. And th- there's one sign and trade that I think is going to happen. Um, and it almost happened the night of the draft, and we'll, we'll get there uh, as we get through this as well. Uh, but another move, uh, Bulls trade for Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. I kind of like it. Love I it. Think they, I think they went from being pitiful to decent. You know, They went uh, to pitiful to being a playoff team. Like Adam Levine. Uh, Adam Levine. Zach, <laughs> Wrong band. <laughs> Zach Levine hasn't even been in the playoffs yet, and he's been playing in Chicago. And he was an you all-star this I mean? year. He was an all-star. Hey. He's been playing in Chicago. Like, Chicago yeah. is the fucking... It's Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr. Like, you name it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that he hasn't been in the playoffs this year is a joke. Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso make them a playoff team. And Lonzo Ball becomes the guy who handles the ball. And that way, Levine can do more, like, you know, catch and shoot and drive to the lane and cutting. And yeah. the things he does really well, he no longer has to handle the ball. They have a guy who I think is a very, very competent point guard, despite the fact that people hate him because of his dad, which is a weird... Reason and, and we've kind of I like the fact that Lonzo's kind of like stepped away from the big baller brand and he's like you know what LeVar you go do your thing I'm just gonna shoot hoops and that's it I think uh, he also I has like, his own family like it, that happens with everyone with age right yeah. like the way my relationship with my father is insanely close but it's not the same as when I was 18 years old where he started yeah. playing in the league right or 19 yeah, exactly. or whatever it was um, so another thing too is that Lonzo Ball got a nice contract a contract that he uh, that people said he wouldn't deserve, and four years, eighty-five million. Can't laugh at that at all. Good no. for him. Happy for him. Solid player. I've always been a huge fan of Lonzo Ball. I think that uh, listen, we're the fact that his name is Ball. We had all these expectations for him, and it, like his father hyped him up to be the next LeBron James and all this shit. But realistically, he's become a, just a solid basketball player. He's and gonna be a good, good basketball player. Probably have you know, let's say three All Star appearances and play for fifteen years, like. What more can you add? Like, like if you took Mike, Mike Rubio, Bibby. that's fine. Ricky Mike Rubio is a good basketball player, man. Like, you yeah. Know. Well, Ricky Rubio didn't play 15 years in the NBA. Well, he's still playing. So, well, he's still playing, but I don't think he's playing. I mean, how long has he been in the league for? It's a long time. Didn't he leave? If you didn't he leave? Pokemon and, and uh, no, he never left. Did, he's he just not a starter anymore. Uh, anyway, I, like I always think, whenever I think Alonzo Ball, if you want to think of comparison, I think of like like Mike Bibby. I don't know why. Well, Bibby was a much better shooter than Alonzo, though. No, that's true, but like but yeah. just like. Just like stature wise, but a guy, a know? guy, yeah, not super big, but who can contribute in a lot of different ways. That's it. So yeah. Lonzo Ball, you got drafted in 2017. No, no, no. Mike, no. no. Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Next topic. Ricky Rubio. Oh, this guy. He, yeah, he was drafted in 2009. Yeah, so that's like 12 years. That happened. That's a quick 12 years, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, Alex Newton celebrating. I'm. 50-50, I think I, the big move they made, I don't like at all. They got Russell Westbrook, and I they traded for him. The Lakers, this is. The, the Lakers, sorry, yeah. I should have set that up. Uh, Alex Hinton's a Lakers fan. He lives in L.A. Um, the I'm not a huge fan of Russ Westbrook joining this team because him and LeBron are both ball-dominant players, and Russell Westbrook is the worst um, shooter by volume since Charles Barkley. Um, so Charles Barkley obviously wasn't known as a three-point shooter. Uh, Russell Westbrook uh, and those who like him less than me refer to him as Russell Westbrook. 
um, is not particularly a good shooter. But then they went out and they got other shooting. So they, they got Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Terry, your favorite player, is now a Laker. Kent Bazemore. Um, he's now at the Lakers. He's a good shooter as well. How much did he? How much did he make? A hundred million. Not as much. <laughs> he, he got his big contract already, but more than you'd think. More than you'd think. Um, I, honestly, I'm gonna exaggerate how much I think he got paid. And Eagle, tell, start bringing up how much Kent Bazemore made, not how much Pikachu made. Uh, Kent Bazemore, I say he made twelve million dollars on this contract. Uh, maybe total. I think it was like two years at like six or seven. Kent Bazemore in 2016 salary no, was 20, 15.73. No, no. You're the worst, dude. What's wrong no, with this, you this year, like his you new just contract. just signed the contract. Yeah, but one it's more fun deal. if I tell you the old one. It is fun, but now yeah. I want to know what the new one is. I'm looking. Google had it. That's why it was easy. Hold on, I'm looking. <laughs> 2021 Kent Bazemore Lakers contract. It might not be all like just there. That's why I got to find it. No, um, it's in some article somewhere. It has to be. It could be that they, the the details aren't public because I'm seeing one year, but I don't see the, the year. Anyway, I, Eagle, I, Eagle I know it's one year. I think he made like I think he made twelve million. Um, that's from I educated guess for for because if he made max last time, then he must be really overvalued. They're tell they're saying it's fifteen point seven three everywhere. So fifteen point seven three a year. <laughs> what are we doing, NBA? Uh. Uh, well, they're, they're paying the players. Um, Melo is on the team too. Malik Monk, who's not a guy. He's, he was like a mid first round pick, which in the NBA is always kind of a crapshoot, but he's solid. Trevor Reza looks like a... Trevor Reza and Dwight Howard to me are strange pickups because they kind of seem like husks of themselves, but I guess yeah. they just need minutes to give when I uh, LeBron this, and... I, and, uh, and oh, no, uh, no, he signed a one-year 2.4 million. Yeah, that makes more sense. Oh. Oh, okay. There you go. Now, I don't I, hate him I as wasn't much sure. Anymore. I thought he might have got the 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 mid level exception, but I don't. Okay. I don't Ken Bazemore, you're off the you're off my murder list. But um, my, the Miami Heat did pay Duncan Robinson 18 million a year for four years, but that's the going rate for three elite three point shooting. Um. So that's that's good for a dude who was undrafted. It's the biggest contract. I was going to say it's good for a guy who I only knew existed this year. Uh, no, he's well. He's been good like the last two years. They, they I know, it. but I'm not. I don't. I'm not a depth NBA guy. You yeah. know, like I know the top five for the most part. I know eighty percent of the starting five on in the NBA. That's I a good number. was. I was surprised when I first heard his name, and then when I first saw him play, I was surprised that he was white. To be honest, I was surprised. <laughs> With a name like Duncan Robinson, you're yeah. not expecting that. That's no zero percent. Sure. Yeah. And, and the amount of white is was the most surprising because if, if he was like Tyler Hero, I get it, but yeah. no, he's he's the whitest guy I've ever seen, um, and he's but he's an elite shooter, and that's what that team needs. Um, they bring in Kyle Lowry um, in a trade where they send Dragic and Precious Achua to Toronto. They and got PJ Tuck Tucker too, no? Yeah, they signed PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker to me just seems like. The prototypical Miami Heat guy who can kind of yeah. score but defends really well. Like that's yeah. just, they have like twelve of those guys at all times. PJ Tucker has become the JR Smith now. He's JR Smith. Just, well, no, he, he could just seems like Smith can really defend. No, no, uh, not the type of player. I'm saying like just bouncing. He's got the Jay Crowder to me is the comparison. Like he's yeah, J he's a guy who can kind of shoot a little bit but defend really well. Yeah, yeah, Jay Crowder's good. Um, I don't know, man. I think that the, what the I like what the Heat are doing. Uh, compliment you guys. I hate what the Lakers are doing. I just think that I just don't know how Russ Westbrook fits. I don't. It's I don't their. See. It's their. It's their right. It's their. If you want to make these teams, if you're able to fit them in the cap, it's fine. I just think that it just it kind of 
Does it dilute the NBA? Absolutely. It uh, it kind of ruins it but for. But the NBA has always had super teams. I know. There's never I been know. a time. Not, it's not even the super team factor. It's like it's like whoever just all the best players. LeBron. Hey, let's go play with LeBron. We want to just get a championship. Yeah, but now, say but now we have, have championship. That, but you have that in Brooklyn, and and don't forget, Clay is coming back to to Golden State. Um, yeah. The thing is, is that and Luka Doncic has Luka, himself well, and himself. Luka has yeah. himself. And that's all he himself. seems to need. Um, yeah. And and look, we we just saw we just saw um, Giannis Antetokounmpo win a championship, right? On on yeah. what is essentially a very very good team, not a, not exactly on that level. But actually, my thing is, to me, I'd rather see what Golden State used to be, or I'd rather see what Brooklyn is, where the all the pieces fit complementary and it's just beautiful basketball, right? Like. Russell Westbrook and LeBron together, it's just going to be guys taking turns at the hoop. It's not going to be beautiful basketball. I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't really see it. I think it's a good regular season move because it allows LeBron to not have to do everything on the court all the time. But in the playoffs, I think it's going to be an issue. Um, now, Toronto gets, like I said, they got Dragic. And now here's where I think it gets interesting. Uh, ben Simmons can't be on the team, can't be on the, the Sixers to start the season, right? Because you can't leak that your superstar, that you're trying to trade your superstar on draft night. <laughs> They apparently had a there was a th- there was a three way deal that was leaked. It was a there was first of all a deal straight with the um, Golden State Warriors that was leaked, and then it was a deal with Toronto and the Warriors that was leaked that neither of them went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was clear when the Raptors drafted Barnes that Pascal Siakam and the words of Kendrick per- uh, Kendrick Perkins, R.I.P. Uh, Siakam. You don't draft a four when your best player is a four and expect to keep him right. So. I think that the plan, the, the rumor was it was a three-way trade with those teams. I don't know all of the pieces because, again, it didn't happen. But Ben Simmons was going to end up with Golden State. Um, ben Simmons w- is... Wiggins was going to Toronto? Wiggins and Wiggins and somebody else were going to Toronto. I think it was Wiggins and someone else were going to Toronto. And then they were in the exchange... Uh, Golden, um, in the exchange... Siakam, I believe, is going to Philly with a billion picks, and and somebody else. Um, it was going to be an interesting trade. Um, I think Simmons with the Golden State Warriors, if they don't have to give up Steph or Clay, is interesting because a he can defend the bigs, yeah. and, they pl- and then on offense he can play point guard, and we can have Clay and Steph shooting from all over the world, and you can't run with Steph and Clay all game long when they don't have the balls in the ball in their hands. Like they're both incredible spot up shooters. So and no no player in the league set up more open three pointers than Ben Simmons last season. So I thought that would have been really interesting. But I actually think Toronto may make a may, may make a move for him now because Goran Dragic's value <laughs> is that he comes off the books next year. So now in the big free agent year of 2022, a little less exciting because Steph Curry signed his extension for he signed uh, two 200 million dollar deals in a span of uh, eight years. Uh, I'm sorry, in the span of four years. Um, but, but still, there's good, it, it gives them flexibility to sign a max player next free agency, and they're going to want a, a million and a half picks. Um, so I think that could be interesting. Man. The C.J. McCollum rumor is still there, but C.J. McCollum's not good enough to get you Ben Simmons. No, yeah, he's a more of a complimentary guy. Ben yeah. Simmons is your, is your one piece, right? So, I mean, that would have been a crazy trade. I think Ben Simmons would have wanted that trade to go to to go to Golden State just to be able to just play D and yeah. get a few buckets here and there. But I don't know. The problem is it's two, just... two draft picks. Golden State didn't want to include two extra draft picks. That's crazy. So, I, I but, Golden, me... but Golden State liked to develop, so I, yeah. I mean, they developed well. 
So, I mean, that's what, that's what the whole thing is. And Philly is more of, uh, you know, we can, we have these two big guys. Let's just take, let's just kind of fill the, fill the roles around them. And Toronto is like, they're just trying to stay relevant as much as possible. I, I think Dragic is a huge move for them. Yeah. Getting rid of Kyle Lowry. Um, Kyle Lowry's like, I mean, we could talk about Toronto sports. Kyle Lowry's one of the top Toronto sports athletes of all time in all sports. And when you so think I've of been, the Raptors, you know, you're thinking of him, Tracy yeah. McGrady, and, and Vince Carter, right? Like, those and, are the, yeah, like, why I got you the title. But yeah, throwing in terms of long term players, those three guys. Yeah, but yeah, so if you want to talk about like Mount Rushmore of Toronto basketball, it's Lowry. Yeah, Lowry, Carter, Kawhi. Like, those are the three to me, you know? And just Trace because McGrady. of what Kawhi did for one year. Trace McGrady, too, but, you know, to a lesser extent than this Carter. He just I he got much better. Tracy McGrady got much better after he left. You yeah, know, just, true. He reached his peak a little bit later, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I love the moves by Miami. I love the moves by Toronto. I think that, it, that, that those are the types of moves that I like to see. I don't like to see LeBron sending a group, ch- a group chat text message being like, hey, uh, spots open. Who's coming? And then everybody's like, oh, me, See, me, 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 I like <laughs> I like guys trying to have fun with their friends. Like that's that's all it is. You I know don't I mean? think that they're friends with him, though. They largely are, though. He's very beloved in the, in the league, except for I'm Steph not Curry. Saying he's not a nice guy, but I just he's just his online persona is, is awful. Oh yeah, his but so is KD. The thing is, is like, great. but the thing all is, like these guys have been pro basketball players essentially since the age of eighteen, nineteen. No, no, in the case of LeBron, sixteen. Like. No kidding, they're not balanced. Like, no kidding, they they don't know how to how to have an online presence. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Kawhi Leonard turns down the one year extension. I think he'll go back to the Clippers, but I'm surprised that that deal hasn't happened yet. That he hasn't been extended. And Kawhi Leonard's very picky about the team going out to find pieces to play around him. So maybe he's using that as leverage. Uh, maybe. I mean, I think all these guys have all the leverage in the fucking world. They because everybody they, like we we said about before about super teams that super teams are just popping up randomly. You know what I mean? So I think all these guys have leverage. To say hey, if you don't give me what I want, I'm just gonna go join that guy over there. Yeah, and what, that's what, what, like, what stops Kawhi from joining the, the the Golden State Warriors, for example, right? Like that would be disgusting. I would hate it so much. But that's not what the Golden State Warriors are about. And I, I respect the Golden State Warriors for kind of. You know, sticking they, they to that. They signed Kevin Durant. Yeah, but Kevin Durant, you know, like it was different. He was like, he was shopping everywhere. Like Kawhi yeah. is like, I, Kawhi is leaving because he wants to go to one place. Like Kawhi is not, Kawhi is not going to Indiana. Like that's for sure. No. Is that why? Is, that, is it because they never choose Indiana, Terry? Is that they never choose saying? Indiana, for fuck's sake. Um, did I ever tell you the story of how Kawhi, uh, sorry, not Kawhi, how, uh, how KD ended up choosing Golden State? No. It was because of Miami. Uh, Eric Spolstra uh, okay. and Pat Riley uh, gave him this huge thing about this is how your shots are very difficult playing with Russ. This is how it is in OKC. Their system, it doesn't work for you. We can create a lot around you. We can do this, this, and this. And he's like, wow, I'm blown away. And then he went to Golden State. He's like, oh, I can do this, but with Stephen Clay. Uh, sorry, guys. It's just They have Stephen Clay. So my life's going to be easy there. They got these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who wouldn't want to choose a job with better conditions? And that's what he did, you know. Um, if we talk, if, we, if KD doesn't get injured and he plays for Miami, and we see more Miami, the run that Miami goes on with Jimmy Butler last year. Yeah. Um, we're talking about Miami Heat with another championship. Oh I yeah, think. absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they were, they were a couple games away in the bubble, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and they they weren't even a team. I thought that was I. I made a prediction. Hey, I think they're going to be competitive. They may may make a right run to the finals, but I didn't think they beat the Lakers. I mean, it would have been a great series against the Lakers. Yeah. With KD and Jimmy Butler against AD and LeBron. Well, all they needed for it to be good was for Dragic and Bam to not get hurt game one. 
<laughs> and, yeah, and then exactly. it's a different series. Um, Evander Kane. Idiot. Worst person of all time. Scumbag. Look, D-bag. Loser. Um, what else? Um, I think that just d- describes him, but I can add words that we can that, that can describe him and i think people won't disagree with me that guy is the biggest piece of shit i've seen in a long time i agree i i i hope the gambling against the nhl and against his own games is false that said i don't um, even care about that the big the big part about the reason why i don't like this guy is um she, okay his wife is at her ultimate low she has no money and it's it's known it's she, has no, that has, that she has no money and it's it's known she has no money the yeah. guy declared bankruptcy so she can't she can't uh, gain an income. She can't do anything. She's broke. But yet this guy is still going out and about, posting it online, yeah. doing all these things. It's not like what she said is wrong. And then no. he has the balls to respond saying, he's like, oh, every time I try to FaceTime my daughter, my wife, my ex-wife doesn't want to give it to me. She's the crazy person. Like calling a person crazy that you drove there, yeah. that's the part that bothers me the and most. And in 2021, still doing the crazy woman trick, like – yeah, that worked in the '90s, and the, the, you know, what I mean, like by now we realize that comp, you know relationships are complicated, and and yeah, yeah. like pe- nobody acts a certain way without a reason, right? And um, there's a there's a picture with that girl, like his new girlfriend that she tagged him on. His new uh, old girlfriend, because yeah. that's his ex girlfriend. Oh, that's his ex girlfriend. Okay, yeah. one second, I'm gonna find it here. So she posted a picture where she's like at a club. Uh, she might have removed it now. Oh, and he was he she removed it. I was I saw it the other day. And he was in the background. And it's like he was just in the background, like at the bar chilling. She removed it. That's fucking classic. Well, and, she's gonna uh, remove it because it's gonna be used as evidence. Yeah. And uh, as if it's not hasn't been screenshotted a million times. Yeah. Um that's the thing too, is like you're a fucking loser. And it's like mm-hmm. you have a problem, you have an addiction, fine. Every a lot of people do. I've known people that have gambling addictions personally. I've known it. Mm-hmm. And it's not fun. And is that guy for him to say, "Oh, I would try to FaceTime my daughter, and and my wife didn't let me, my ex-wife didn't let me do it." Like, go fuck yourself. Like, yeah, you're, like you should you know, have no rights to your children. You and I, you and I joke a lot about betting, and we, we like betting, but obviously, like, it's within our budget. My um, bets are fifteen dollars. My bets are not even that big, <laughs> unless it's <laughs> well, fantasy. I, which I is, think the more important more. thing, Terry, is. You have the $15 on you yeah. when you're betting it, right? This isn't yeah. tomorrow's salary that you're betting. This no. isn't next year's salary. This isn't your house. This isn't your car. This isn't shit that you yeah. don't actually have that you're putting on the line to try and win shit back. One thing, yeah. I've, learned, one thing I've learned about addiction is the, the lying that goes hand in hand. And that's when I read a lot of his statements, it looks very carefully prepared. It looks, And so it's it's the the sociopathy that comes with addiction uh, in a lot of cases and uh, it's the way an addict is able to keep being an addict as the people around them notice the the illness um there was a report in the athletic actually that the san jose sharks were looking to move him in the off season uh simply because his teammates just didn't like him yeah and it's and like that's the thing is they they're not happy with him on team he doesn't seem like a likable dude um the one thing I, I did read, oh no, sorry, I, I heard, and I think it was actually David Sampson on his uh, Instagram or one of the, uh, on his reel. He said that there might be an issue here where the reason why she's alleging betting against the NHL um, is to try and get a payout quickly because essentially, like we talked about, she's broke. Uh, she's broke because of him. The lawyer might have advised her, hey, look, make a mess 
so that their lawyers are going to advise him to pay you up front to make this go away. Um, because the NHL board of directors is going to be on the San Jose exactly. Sharks' ass to deal with this. Exactly. And they're going to be on – because the future earnings don't affect her. But whatever money he does have that, that he can and, – and again, by declaring bankruptcy, it makes it harder for her to seize the, the money – uh, I, this is the point where I would like to remind people David Sampson's actually a lawyer by trade, so that's why I found it interesting. Um, I mean, it could also be she found out he's back with his ex-girlfriend and lost her mind, because I can understand that. Yeah, and, and of course... I'm going to Europe we, to party with my ex-girlfriend, stay home and sell her house with her daughter, which you can't feed. And be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, oh, and pack up the house with our, you know, pregnant with her other child, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like you, your point, Terry, is... How can you allege she's crazy without saying I drove her to that point, right? That's the problem. That's the problem is that he his his image was always more important than anything else. Like we he started off in the end in the in the NHL by, you know, posting pictures of stacks of money, to, pretending he's on the phone with a stack of cash on him. Uh, he did like this whole. Um, uh, he lived in Vegas, but he lived at a hotel. So you're spending like two thousand dollars a night just like understand. just by living there. Like I don't understand how these people don't hire a money manager. Just be like, buy a house, guy. Buy a, house, buy a house, take Vegas an Uber house, to the strip. It'll be cheaper. Buy, buy a sick house in Vegas. All UFC fighters are doing it, and they don't make yeah. nearly golfers as much too. money. Yeah, there's no, a ton no, no, of no, golfers. Nearly no, no. as you much money. You create an others. LLC that buys the house, yeah, and exactly. then you rent a house to yourself. Exactly. No, no, no joke. No joke. Eagle, like, Eagle's a Eagle's a nerd tech guy, and he knows. No, but that. no, look, Eagle, uh, Terry. I'm not as smart as Eagle by a long shot. Um, and and our guest that we'll talk to in a minute, she's smarter than all of us combined. But yeah. you know. Literally, I've talked it's to Duke about. One hundred and one. I've talked to Duke about buying an Airbnb, and the first thing we said is, "Well, well we're not going to do this personally. We'll start a company to do this, so that yeah, if exactly. it doesn't work, we don't care." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't you make know, a difference. We just chapter eleven at that point. One um, last thing before we get to the interview, I, I just want to touch on it quickly because we didn't touch on it last week. It was kind of breaking while we're recording the show. The reactions to Simone Biles. I know the Twitter. I know the Twitter comment section is uh, garbage, hellscape. But also when you see media personalities talking about someone who's a, a sexual abuse survivor, so talking about someone who, who won medals for her country with broken bones in her feet. Who's uh, sick. Sorry? She's sick. Like yeah. She's actually like she has a who's problem sick? with her head who's because of all the spins. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. So like we've also learned in that time that there's a condition that they call the twisties, which maybe twisties. find a more serious name for something yeah. so serious. I mean, um, twisties just sounds like something that uh, you'll see in a porn movie. Or, or like after like 18 beers, I get the twisties. There's actually a website called Twisties, and it's a porn site. I just I, – I know this. Nice. Naturally. I know this yeah. too. Why do I know this? I, I didn't know this. It's a girl-on-girl site. Yeah. Um, there we go. But so the twisties is where basically like while you're in the air, you forget how many turns you've done, how many spins you've done. And it's super dangerous uh, because guess which sport um, is, is I believe, either right before or right after football when it comes to concussions? Gymnastics. Because when you fall, you're falling from a long, long, long way, right? And so the, Simone Biles posted a video of her don't, going through a practice routine, unable to land because she kept, she kept missing a turn and a half or a half turn or two full turns. And A, it's dangerous to her. B, she's not helping her team. You want people to be a, 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 great, a, you know, a great teammate, right? That's what we always say. But then you get 
assholes like Clay Travis saying like, oh, she's weak. And how dare you call someone weak when she's accomplished more in her 24 years in life than most people ever will. And she's overcome more than more, most people in her 22 years of life ever will. I don't it's think crazy. she's brave for doing this. I think she did the right thing for her, which is all that matters. And, it's, and people are coming out like it's un-American for her to do this. That's Why? It's un-American the most to American say that. Thing you can, yeah, it's the most American thing you can do is, you know, free speech, freedom of choice. She chose. She's like, listen, I can't do this right now. It's not for me. Also, I've her already, aunt just I've died. Always, she, has, she has nothing to prove anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an Olympics that nobody's watching. If there was any time for her to do this, do it now. But even uh, actually, that, I would argue the opposite. People are watching because of her, yeah. and that's why everyone's so pissed. It was like, oh, you're taking away my fun for your own. Wait, it, it's only that. It's like it's like I, when I already see that. It's like so you're brought. So these these people, right? You know, like Clay Travis or whoever, they all work for or or allied with broadcast partners, right? Because I say it all the time. It's like, yeah. Unfortunately, we're at now ESPN. He's a for example, I know Clay loser, Travis is that guy. But like. ESPN is a broadcast partner first and a news agency second, right? And so, like, th- that to me is just, it's the cringiest of all cringe. Um, I think the other side of it is a little overstated, too. I, I don't think, and she's done a lot for mental uh, mental health awareness. I don't think this is specifically, I just think this is someone making a decision for her. I've had days where I couldn't go to work, right? Um We've all had that. So why is it different for her? It, it shouldn't be. She made the right decision for her and her team. And, um, and the, the, shocking, the shocking part to me isn't that losers like Clay Travis are coming out and ripping on her. The shocking part to me is there's actually athletes that are coming out and saying, oh, she's uh, she's weak, uh, all this stuff, like what, what she should be doing it, whatever, bullshit. You know, she's mentally weak. Yeah, she's mentally weak at this point because she's gone through so much shit in the last couple of years that she's like, listen, I, I can't. If I go out there and and stink up the fucking mats, that just shows poorly negatively to my country. So I don't yeah. want that to happen. She felt like she couldn't perform to her, her the best that she can. She's taking a sick day, and it's yeah. unfortunate the sick day came at the gold medal day. And maybe she would have won. Maybe she wouldn't have. And if she, she went came out back there, we were talking. Bronze, by the way, despite she won all this, in beam, and she technically got a silver because of the team event and everything. But still, there you go. So fuck it's, everybody. That's you it. know what? That, that's, and that's the thing. Like, uh, despite all that, despite all these people who have achieved nothing, going after someone who's probably the, there's things that she's done in her sport that are named after her because no one in the world has done it before her, or since. So, um, you know what? Like I said, it, it it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. I know we live in the, the hot take world. She doesn't have to be a hero. She doesn't have to be the, the, the I was going to say goat, but I meant goat like the, the original meaning of the she word. She actually has goat on her jersey, which is hilarious. But, but the thing is. We're, we're a pro-robbery podcast. We're also yeah. a pro-Simone Biles podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys want to do a flow chart quickly here? Terry, yeah, sure. I want you yeah. to answer this. Are you a gymnast? Yes, <laughs> I no. saw this. saw this. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm no. not. No, so quick, instead, you, you are a conservative pundit who has never so much done a cartwheel in his life, yet alone landed a Yuchenko double pike. But let's say you yes. were. Have you ever competed on an international stage as a world championship, uh, Pan American uh, Games, or Summer Olympics? I do not recall, so I have to say no, Eagle. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, no. I, I, I was drinking a lot in my 20s, so maybe, but I doubt it. <laughs> but let's, say, yeah, let's say no, but I expect black athletes to put their minds and bodies at risk purely for my entertainment and sense of so-called national pride because I have always viewed black Americans' lives as expendable. But let's say you were one of those world champions comp- yes. competitions. Did you win four gold medals in women's gymnastics in 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro? Uh, I don't think so. No, 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 I did not. I, I've not yet been to Rio de Janeiro. So, hey, did I win gold with... medal in 2016? 
No, because you're fucking fat as shit. There you go. That's me. And I was going to say, no, you just choose to be on the wrong side of every single issue because grievance politics is a convenient way to insert myself into a national conversation in order to try and stay relevant despite the fact that all my ideas are objectively bad and unpopular. But let's say you did win four gold medals at it. Have you single-handedly revolutionized your sport, including but not limited to inventing four mind-boggling <laughs> complex original moves that are now named after you? <laughs> The no. options are yes, I'm literally <laughs> Simone Biles, or no, shut the fuck up. No, I am not Simone Biles. I do not. I did not achieve anything in my life other than I write blogs and I like to complain about people that have more athletic ability and more successful than me. Naturally, that's there what we you do, go, guys. We've uh, solved all the problems yeah. using a flowchart. And, and what I love, and it, uh, we'll we'll end on this because we got to get to the interview. Um, people like to talk about if you know the real goats don't quit. Michael Jordan left the sport of basketball. Guess what? It was for mental health because his dad had just died. And so, maybe a gambling debt. Conspiracy oh, yeah, theory. Maybe, maybe a gambling suspension that we don't like to talk about. <laughs> um, so, with that said, we're going to talk to Stephanie Medeiros. Uh, she is the e-mobility global accounts leader at ABB. Uh, they are allied with uh, Formula E, and she's going to talk to us about the Formula E race in Berlin, August 14th and 15th, coming up next. Welcome back. Even though we're recording this first, joining us uh, is Stephanie Medeiros. Uh, Stephanie, you're joining myself and Terry on Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports uh, Podcast Network. Um, Stephanie uh, is joining us. She works at ABB. Uh, they are related to Formula E, which is uh, it's pretty awesome, actually. When you, when you really start to look into it, dig into it, it's, it's a really cool up-and-coming sport. Um, and Stephanie will tell us all about that. First of all, Steph, how's it going? Good. Good. When, once in a while, thing. I may sound a little too familiar, but Stephanie's actually the person in this chat who I've known the longest time. Uh, Stephanie and I went to high school well, together. I'm, I'm offended. Winner. Yeah, I know, Terry. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a bond longer than yours, uh, yours, and I, uh, yours and mine. Uh, yeah, Stephanie and I went to high school together. Uh, we worked together in a, a terrible telemarketing job that was uh, between sort of, you know, real jobs. And uh, so uh, what she did was she went into something uh, to help, you know, use sustainable materials to improve our earth. And uh, I started a podcast network with you guys. <laughs> so which one of us did the important work? Obviously her. So uh, very impactful, what, for sure. What was Pease like in high school? What are we dealing with here? He was, he was known as like the nice guy. He was always like the nice, dependable guy that everyone liked. I don't think okay, anyone so had anything bad to say. What completely the opposite, opposite now. of what he is now. <laughs> Peas is like other than today, I've never seen Peas on time for any of the episodes. It's because <laughs> it's because I respect Stephanie and her time. Oh, okay, and so you, you know, don't respect you can, you you don't can respect infer our whatever time. you like from that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially why. That's essentially why. Uh, well, Stephanie, you you work wild hours. Like you were telling me that your your day typically starts at like three a.m. Yeah, not all the, all the time at 3 a.m., but that's the perks of having a global role. Of, so I'm based in Montreal, which is great for time zones in Europe, but then in the Asia time zones where it's 12 hours in advance, it's not so much fun. So typically my day starts at, you know, my the, the bulk of all the activities that I have are mostly in Europe. So my day typically starts for sure at 5 a.m., sometimes at 3 a.m. whenever things are, are really urgently needed. Um, but yeah, that's like I said, I, that's the perks of having a, a global job, but I, I love what I'm doing. So definitely not complaining and just have a little bit more gray hair from like lack of sleep, but that's fine. Uh, gray hair shows uh, wisdom. You know what I mean? I finally got a few in my beard and I'm like, man, I'm the smartest guy of all time. Yeah, that's how we do it. That's how we yeah, do it. Yeah, that's how it works. Science. He's your genius. Then. I, that, that must be the case. I, I do the opposite. I, I, um, I'm up till about 
usually three o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, usually uh, the guys will be getting stories that I found on the internet that we're going to talk about on the show or I'll be writing or catching up on sports that I couldn't watch during the day that we need to talk about on the show. So um, that's, that's, uh, I, I live the opposite lifestyle. Um, Stephanie, so what got you into this atmosphere, into the uh, to Formula E and uh, sustainable racing? Yeah, so if I start back from in school, so my background is in engineering because I've always loved technology. And I always like to, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but I like to have like a positive impact. And so making the world a better place by using technology is exactly where I wanted to be headed. So after I graduated, and I'm a, I'm a Montrealer as well, so I graduated from McGill. So after that, I did, you know, various roles at, I started at ABB, so the company that I'm in right now. And then I stepped into the EV world about 2016. And as soon as I stepped into it, I just, I fell in love. You know, there's certain things that, you know, you have such a high regard, but then once you step into it, the EV world and the EV industry, it's fast paced, it's dynamic. The people are just incredible because they're super passionate. It's every conference that I would go to, everyone kind of like is on like drinking the same Kool-Aid. And at first it's a little bit weird, but they're they're all like that. And it's it's great. And so again, going back to have having technology, so EV chargers and electric vehicles, this is what the world needs to, you know, clean up our air and make it better for generations to come. Um, so yeah, so 2016, I got put in place to grow the Canadian business for EV chargers. And then from that, I stepped into the Formula E world, which was extremely exciting because, I, I, again, I'm a Montrealer. So for me, I love Formula One because, you know, we're lucky enough to have that in the city. And then e-mobility is another thing that I, I really love. So Formula E is the perfect marriage of both. And it's exciting. It's And we'll get into a little bit of the details as well. But, you know, it's really making the world a better place and so with what I'm doing it's also helping define what the future of e-mobility is because it's a test bed for e-mobility technologies that's why you have the big car OEMs and the big teams that are part of it and so you're kind of getting a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future what's the world of e-mobility going to look like in the future so yeah so it's it's been exciting so when I said before I'm, I'm, I'm so I love my job like that's that's an understatement like I definitely love what I'm doing. So those 3 a.m. calls aren't so bad when you're doing like cool stuff like that. <laughs> so me Don't... being a fellow nerd, my only question to you is what technology is currently being worked on that you can see being available to consumers within the next, let's say, five years? So there's a lot. Um, and again, so the big car manufacturers who are who have teams, just like with Formula One, that with have teams into Formula E. So there's a lot of improvements that they see, whether it's in the powertrain, so improvements on the powertrain design, uh, efficiency, software is a big one. And so, you know, Formula E being a test bed for these new technologies. So all these teams are putting the latest technologies into their designs and then pushing them to the limits and then taking that into their mass market electric vehicles that they're going to have, you know, that you and I can drive in our everyday lives. Um, I think something that's really surprising, or when I found that out, I think that was really, really cool, is the speed and the turnaround of having these technology improvements from the racetrack to the cars themselves. Um, because typically, I think in most motorsports, that take that turnaround happens in like five to ten years. But in Formula E, that turnaround happens from as of two years. So it's really, really fast. So these impacts are seen 
right away. And again, that's why these, these car OEMs are so excited to, to be part of them, of this race for sure. And that's on, on board the vehicle. And then outside the vehicle, there's charging. So it's all these technologies that are surrounding the races because the race itself, yes, it's motorsport, but it's also kind of like a mini microgrid that goes to every city because these races happen in city centers. So they're not tucked away in racetracks far away. The majority of these races are in city centers. So you can imagine if you're like in downtown Paris and you need a lot of power, you need a lot of energy also for these races because you have to charge the cars, you have these like fan zones where you, you know, so it's a really, really big setup of lots of megawatts. So you can't go to downtown Paris and just plug into the grid and say, hey, this is, I'm just gonna suck up your energy. They're not gonna like that. So that's why I call it kind of like a mini microgrid and it's a traveling circus, circus of a microgrid. So there's all these really cool technologies that you will see that, you know, when you're watching this on TV or even when you're watching a race, you're not, you don't really know what's going on behind the fence. So just in terms of engineering, it's just really, really cool. And again, all these lessons learned that we get from the charging, uh, you know, all these technologies that are there, then we take them into systems and solutions to make them really reliable and robust. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a look. I have no idea. So Eagle said he's the, he's the nerd of the group. I'm the complete meathead <laughs> of the group. I'm the other, completely other side. I'm like hard nose. I mean, all, like, I'm so not like uh environmentally friendly i'll just buy a hummer you know what i mean like i'll just buy a hummer <laughs> yeah but there's electric the small... hummers now it's the new thing <laughs> yeah and the smallest yeah, village, comes electric. The smallest... that's it uh but I, I honestly i do want a tesla they do look nice my i try my stepbrothers i'm not a huge fan of it but it, they do look nice it, it is appealing the idea but now, the first thing i thought of when i heard of when peace about formula e i'm like who is the pit crew like is there a pit crew are you guys like changing oil uh, changing tires quickly like how does it work I'm trying to imagine it in my head. Well, the first thing is definitely tune into a race because then you'll get the feel of how it is. And they're 45 minutes, so not a big time. Oh, commitment. nice. But <laughs> nice, not that long. <laughs> um, but, you know, to answer your question, there's been a huge evolution from the cars. So the races, the first race was actually in Beijing in 2014. And the technology at that time, especially when battery technologies were available at that time, the technology wasn't good enough for the race for a car, one car or one battery to finish the entire race. So what they would do, so this is generation one car. So what they would do is halfway through those 45 minutes, the drivers would go to their pit stop, change cars to a, a car with a fresh battery and then continue the race. So that's gen one. Gen two is the, the version that's currently being driven right now. So again, it's showing the technology evolution where the batteries can now sustain an entire race. So even in the same footprint, you can have a race or you can have a battery that can complete the entire race. Pit stop charging. So we're not gonna have any, you know, any tire changes, but pit stop charging is gonna come in gen three. So gen three is gonna start um, at the end of 2022. And that's going to, again, show the evolution of e-mobility and technology. And that's going to have that car that's going to come to the pit stop, get a charge of up to 600 kilowatts. It's not fully announced how fast it's going to be, but it'll be up to 600 kilowatts. So that'll be fast. And I think what's really cool about that is that normally charging happens, you know, when you think of 
the, the majority of charging that happens is at home and people take hours. Like my electric car charges within 10 hours because I have a, a very small charger. Um, and then if I take it to a faster charger, like a public charger, that can go faster. But we're still talking about from hours and then fast is about 30 minutes. Like, wow, that's really, really fast to charge your battery. When we're talking about charging powers up to, up to 600 kilowatts, we're talking about charging in seconds. It's not gonna be as fast as a pit stop in Formula One, which is ridiculously fast, like yeah. less than seven seconds, but it'll still be in the seconds range, you know, one minute, you know, 60 seconds, but it'll be fast. And again, it's really to showcase the evolution in technology and really to showcase to people, look, this is, this is available here and now, and it's great. So the, be the best part about watching Formula One and all these like NASCAR and all that stuff is watching some of the pit crew get smoked by like a, a flying tire or something. So we're not, we're just not going to see that in Formula E. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it. Maybe not in Gen Three. Maybe not Gen Three. <laughs> maybe maybe oh, yeah, maybe a flying battery. <laughs> just like you know, or, uh, or a charging cable. You know. Um, so yeah, I actually watched one of the races, uh, Stephanie, when we uh, we had it one year in Montreal. I saw you were posting about it on Instagram, and so I I said, you know what, I gotta check this out. It looks really cool, and I did. It was really enjoyable. It was fun. I liked that again. It wasn't very long. Um, that to me was something I found really compelling. Because someone who likes racing but is not a huge fan, uh, it's a way to sort of, you know, uh, wet your toes, so to speak. Um, okay. What would you tell someone who's looking to get into the sport? How would you sort of uh, position it for them? What's there to look out for? Who are the top brands? Uh, do they have like a top driver the same way like Lewis Hamilton? Is that in the F1? Um, do we have any of that yet in FE? So one of the appeals about Formula E is that unlike other motorsports where it's super predictable, you know exactly who's going to win. With Formula E, it's definitely a wild card. And actually, I think in the last five or six races, there was a different winner. There's just a completely new winner. And I think that really speaks to you know that excitement part because it's, it's not mm -hmm. predictable. It's really not predictable. So really overall you know there's not one like oh you have to watch out for these guys or this driver it's it's just super unpredictable but that's what makes it really exciting and fun to watch as well so, so for people thing... who are just I'll, I'll just finish with sure. i think something that's really cool is they make it as interactive as possible too so you have cool new things where people like the audience can interact um they have something called the fan boost so that gives a little bit of boost of power to the, the driver, the, the fan favorite. So that's where people can vote. Um, and yeah, and they have other things too that are really trying to integrate and getting the audience as uh, involved as possible. So one of the things that people obviously love about Formula One or any other type of motor racing is the sound of the cars, right? The engine roaring, the acceleration, burning through, the burning the brakes, hitting a wall potentially if you're Jacques Deneuve. Um, but... <laughs> You know, the joke about electric cars is there is no sound, right? There is no, it doesn't sound the same way. So what, what does a Formula E car, I guess, sound like? And, you know, to try and get that same sensation, what, what's the, I guess, experience that you can give the viewers? So I, I, I've, the first I want to kind of um, imitate an electric car <laughs> so you can get the feeling, um, but that's just not going to give you the full picture. So what it sounds like is exactly, I know this sounds really kind of cheesy, but it's, it sounds like a mini, like a kind of a miniature electric car, but much, much bigger. 
And of course I'm in the industry and maybe I'm, I'm a bit biased, but I love that sound. Like even my electric car, it has a little bit of a humming. You can hear the, the electric motor. I love that sound. I do appreciate Formula One and you know th that sound, but at the end of the day, it's really loud. It's yeah, super yeah. loud. Like that's why these races for Formula E can happen in city centers because you can have a conversation with someone else. You'll still hear the cars and there's the tires sounds as well. So you'll hear that. And in terms of action, there definitely is that action when you see the races. And especially if you're, let's say you're live and you're, you're in a, like a grandstand where there's like a hairpin, you're going to see some, lots of contact and you're going to see, you know, like knock on wood, there wasn't something that was like super fatal um, yet, which is great, but you definitely will see that action. So yeah, that sound, I don't know, to me, to me, I, I love it. And I think it also showcases a new generation. I'm not a new generation, but when you, when you see little kids, like I know kids that their parents only drive electric. And when they get into an internal combustion engine car, they're like, oh, this is why, what's that sound? Like they don't like it because that's what they know. So I mean, this is just coming. This is not something that maybe it's going to come. Like, this is going to come. Car manufacturers have already committed, some as soon as 2030, that they're only producing electric cars. So internal combustion engine cars are going to be like the horse and buggy or horses from, you know, the 19, you know, the, the start of the, the century. So that's, it's, it's coming. So it's just going to be a transition that, yeah, we'll get used to. And just like for me, yes, I, I appreciate horses. And when I want to see a horse race, I'll go to the racetrack. But that's like something that's like, you know, very novelty and cool. I think that's what's going to happen eventually. So, so, I you're, say, saying, I, so you're saying my Hummer is going to lose value in about 20 years. Get an electric Hummer. We just said it. <laughs> an electric Hummer. Vintage. Okay, yeah. your vintage garage, Terry. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so the, the I will say one of the things uh, I noticed when I got into uh, my buddy's Tesla is – it weirdly reminded me of, and the, the comparison is going to sound ridiculous, but just follow me because I'm a little nuts. Um, it reminded me of when I went down uh, to Vegas one year and uh, rented a uh, Dodge Charger V8 with a supercharger. And there's sort of that sound of the supercharger that kind of vaguely sounds like a uh, like a power drill. And I found I found there was a similarity. So th those two cars couldn't be more opposite, right? Like. Like literally the car that just, it drinks gas. I think I had to fill up like eight <laughs> times in Nevada de desert, which is terrifying. And because yeah. you don't know where the next gas station is going to be. And then you have the, the other one that doesn't even use uh, gas, but it, it had sort of a similarity in sound and it had sort of that the charging sort of sound uh, that you hear when you're in the vehicle. Um, Stephanie, I want to ask, I know I've read that uh, Formula E is looking to uh, move into Vancouver uh, in 2022. What are the chances? We've had a race in Montreal, like we talked about before. What are the chances that yes. we'll have it again in Montreal? And what are the chances that we'll see it uh, pop up in other Canadian cities? Yeah, so for me, as a Montrealer, I was so over the moon to see the race in Montreal. Um, because... Your Instagram was like nothing but that. <laughs> yeah. Like 12 yeah. posts was, a day, nonstop. I was like reliving it over and over because it was just amazing so it was it was great to have the race in montreal that was short-lived unfortunately so the races are no longer in montreal i think the good news overall is that for canadians we're still gonna have this race it was announced about two weeks ago that 
Formula E is coming to Vancouver. So the new race mm-hmm. race schedule was added. And so you have other cool cities like Cape Town is part of it as well. Um, and yeah, it's going to be in Vancouver. So not in Montreal, obviously, but I'm personally so excited to see that in Vancouver because Montreal is, is a beautiful city. Of course, we're, you know, being from Montreal, we, we get it. But Vancouver, and I've seen some renderings of what the racetrack is going to look like and the backdrop is just stunning because yeah, Vancouver yeah. is obviously a beautiful city. So it's just, it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting. So that's July, July, 2022 in Vancouver. So definitely go if you're able that's to cool. go. Like we're not, we're not really a NASCAR or F1 show. So maybe we'll, we can adopt Formula E as sort of our, our own, uh, our a great own idea. Uh, true love, you know, our own passion. The future um, is electric. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, Stephanie, the, the next race is in Berlin, if I'm not mistaken, August 14th and yes. 15th, right? Correct. And where yep. can people in in Canada, in Montreal, where can people catch this race? So there's various stations um, off the top of my head. As a Canadian, I should know that. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't know what what their the stations are. But if you just look at the Formula E, whether it's the Instagram uh, pages or Facebook pages, the, the day before, two days before, they post where you can see it. And so there's various... It used places. to be on TSN. I don't know if the broadcast deal was extended but i know yeah uh, it says it says currently 2021 uh tsn oh there we go so yeah okay that's good that's awesome or watch it live i heard that germany is accepting people now (laughs) also is it true that germany (laughs) and they said they're they're not going to have any um they're not going to have produced any um non-electric cars by the year 2025 or something like that it was like a, it was like a three years ago. They came out with a thing where they're as of this date they're not producing any more electric cars in, Ger- yeah, in Germany so, completely. So there's different types of legislations legislations that are out there. So some are the car manufacturers themselves that outright say as of this date we're no longer going to produce the electric cars. And then the second thing is in cities, the cities themselves, and London's a big one like that too. And then Germany also has various cities that have said that. They have these no uh, no emission or zero emission zones. So that means you can't drive. If you have a car that's emitting pollution, so internal combustion engine car, then you can't drive in that, that city. Um, and there, you've already started seeing this um, in other parts of the world too, where if you want to have an internal combustion engine car, then you just have to pay higher fees or kind of like a carbon fee. So that's definitely started. But yeah, Germany is definitely very progressive in putting these leg- legis- legislatives, I'm having a hard time with that word, sorry, <laughs> um, and making sure that you know they want to reduce the amount of polluting cars on the road. The autobahn's going to be a lot quieter. Yeah, 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 yeah. we'll have that sound like the supercharger. Yeah, it'll be fast and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Stephanie, my last question for you is just regarding, I'll call it the the traditional power grid when it comes to combustion engines. You have a gas station on every block and corner and everything. In the future, obviously, you're going to have your charging stations at home, potentially charging stations, uh, I don't know, parking lots, etc. How do you envision the next generation power grid evolving in cities? So there's, there's two things to that. The first thing is the power grid or the fueling grid or how fueling happens. And then the other thing is the power grid because there's going to be a lot of demand for power because everyone's charging almost at the same time. So first in terms of the, the, the fueling grid. So fueling is just going to be different. For me, what I love about electric cars is that it's as seamless as possible. And it's so convenient because for me, I don't go out of my way 
to fuel or charge up my electric car. I just charge it wherever I am that's convenient. So the majority of my charging happens at home and now I'm not driving that much. So like really, really majority, like 95% of my, my charging happens at home. And then the other charging happens when I'm you know, out and about. Let's say I'm at a grocery store and they have, or I'm at a parking lot and they have a charging station. Then I just, you know, plug it in. So for me, it's super seamless. I'm not going out of my way to get, go to a gas station to fuel up my car, to charge up my car. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, of course, that's within the city. And, you know, the majority of drivers, they have their driving or the, the charging needs that they, they have or like the power that they need is, is kind of lower, the energy, sorry, because they really, they travel, you know, just a few kilometers here and there and then they're fine. When we go outside of the cities, then you're going to start to have intercity um, charging. So these are the really, really fast chargers. So let's say from Montreal to Toronto, you're going to have these fast chargers along the way. So it's the same concept as fueling. You know, it's the same thing. You know, you go on a road trip, most most often or not, depending how long your journey is, you're going to have to stop and, and gas up. At least the good news in the technology for charging is that, you know, today you can charge at a charger that's 350 kilowatts. So to put that in perspective, the majority of the public charger, the fast chargers are 50 kilowatts. Now you have 350 installed. So 350 can charge your car in less than eight minutes. So that's really not that far off from, you know, and it, a fuel pump. So it's really not that, that bad. Terry, you don't even have time to take a shit and your Hummer's going to get charged. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be I'll fine. Be, I'll be in and out. Um, Stephanie, thank you then, so Sorry, go ahead. And to fill, finish that thought, because the second part was the power grid. And that's, I want to bring that up, not to be too technical, but it's also very important because people ask that question, you know, like the grid is not going to be able to support that. You know, if you have everyone electrifying their cars, then you can't support it. And the answer to that is that, well, that's not really correct because Yes, if everyone comes home and charges their car at the same exact time, then you're going to have everyone a Everyone running their washing machine at the same time, right? Well, everyone going to the gas pump at the exact same time. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You're going to have lineups and chaos and people are going to be super angry. So that actually doesn't really happen. Or, you know, what's envisioned in the future is that there's going to be some sort of managing of the, the charger. So like you yourself, like, people go home not at the same time, they'll go mm -hmm. at different times. And, and then the other thing too is that, so in terms of power, that's, you know, again, everyone coming at the same home at the same time, then the grid can't handle that. But in terms of the energy, there's definitely enough energy to supply that. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, there's a, there is a lot of misinformation about a lot of this stuff too. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone even a couple of years ago saying, yeah, but you know, like, the environment it's too late to do anything and he basically like grabbed his laptop and googled what can we do right now to, to help the environment and there's like only 80 billion results you know and a lot of them <laughs> are super simple things and um it's just it's um a lot of what we hear and see uh, are of course uh supplanted by lobbies and a lot of misinformation is people like myself and terry who are not informed uh don't go out of the way often to speak to someone like you, Stephanie, who has the information. So it's definitely uh, wonderful to have had you on. Do check out the race on August 14th and 15th. Uh, that race is going to be in Berlin. It's Formula E once again. And that was Stephanie Medeiros joining us from ABB. Thank you so much for your time, Stephanie. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Same here.
And we're back, guys. I don't know about you, but I actually learned something today. I did too. I, I learned a lot. I learned that Hummers aren't uh, good electric cars unless they take. Are, they the, take electric, all... are the electric ones called Hummies? Please tell me they're called Hummies. Oh, they, they, if they're not called Hummies. Hummer, sponsor the show. We got lots of great ideas. <laughs> I just had a really terrible idea. I can totally see Terry having a gas generator in the trunk of his electric car in case which yeah. he then uses to charge his electric car when he runs out of battery juice well because here's, here's the thing 100 i would do that of all the people in the show all the people at hot sauce sports which you know 15 16 people we are whatever um who who's the most likely to run out of charge in their electric car oh it's terry by sure. a lot because <laughs> i i I went years and years and years of my life without knowing anyone who ran out of gas, and then I became your friend, and that happened so many times. Four I would times, totally bet on that, and I would last, absolutely like, win money. Yeah, it's happened four times in the last, like, uh, I'd say, twenty-four months. That's insane. That's insane. It's never happened to me in my life. You're the, uh, again, you're the first person I've met where that's happened. A time. But it's also it also did it only happened once before that, and I've been driving since I was seventeen. Yeah. And I'm 35 so, now. So. What would be the odds of Terry running out of battery juice on well, his car? But so like the, they wouldn't pay. <laughs> like you, you, you'd have to like bet 100 to win like 102. Yeah, it would be I like mean, it would be minus 10,000. Yeah. I mean, it's still two bucks or something. Yeah, so. it'd be yeah. free money, but you know, it's, all, it's a volume play. It's a volume it's play. A volume you know where play, you right? can make a lot of money. You add it on a parlay. You add it on a parlay to Hot Streak Fantasy. So Hot Streak Fantasy is the best fantasy app in the world right now. Uh, ask anybody. Ask uh, Warren Buffett. He'll tell you. Hot Streak, best fantasy app. Uh, they're in, they were in basketball before. Now they just got into the baseball. They're, going, they're in the MLB. They're going to the NFL. Use Hot Sauce promo code. They'll match your initial deposit as a bonus. Uh, you're betting 5 10 bucks at a time, 25 bucks at a time. You pick two to three players. Are they going to get a hit, home run, out, whatever it is? You have all the options available. You pick that and you win. I actually made a bet last night. I think I won last second. I'm just going to check right now. And um, I was playing the Mets game last night. And I was making some bets. And uh, I won. I've, I won I've a lost bunch all my baseball bets so far. I need to learn. I need to understand it better on the baseball side. So I bet five to win $1.46 because I didn't hit my parlay. So yeah. I didn't hit my total streak. So you have to get a hot streak, which is three. And um, so yeah, but it's great. Honestly, I love it. I love playing it. It keeps it makes it makes baseball fun during the regular season. So hey. guys, don't be like Evander Kane. Don't get a bookie. Download the app. Yeah, if you don't want to be an asshole, a disrespectful piece piece of shit to your wife slash ex wife, you don't want to uh, be a, uh, addicted to gambling. Get this app. It's very minimal. Five, ten, twenty five dollar bets, and you're happy and you're having fun with your buddies. Yeah, and and you know what? It's this can sort of spice up your your sporting uh, night. Just just allow you to to um, enjoy that. But if you want to spice up your meat, Terry, what would you do? I would go to Mike's BBQ Rub, and I would visit Mike's BBQ Rub MTL.com and use Hot Sauce Ten for ten percent off the entire site. That truffle sauce is mustard truffle is like number one. I'll, I'll never say anything, but truffle is like a close second. It's up there. I love it's I up. love any buffalo like vinegar based hot mm. sauces. So. Um, it's it's a slam dunk for me. Yeah, the rubs. If you're, uh, it's it's barbecue season. It's uh, people renting chalets Labor Day weekend. Stack up, get the ghost bourbon sauce. Um, get the barbecue rub. Uh, rub that shit all over your your. Do it today for Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, marinate that thing for four weeks, and uh, you'll thank me later. 
Or you'll be very upset. Or you'll be one very way or another, upset. You'll, you'll have an rea- a reaction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah some sort of reaction. You'll right, shit your ass so, that it's so good. Let's get some rapid fire out of the way here. We're going to start off with clean out your cubsicle. Uh, cubicle, like a cubicle? Oh, I cubicle. like the icicle better. Yeah. But cubicle don't clean out a, an icicle. <laughs> but you don't clean it out. That's not what you're saying. You're a rough show today, man. It's yeah, like, I know. If, if I can cubs, read that properly, then there's a problem. The Chicago Cubs have traded several players who have been with the team since the 2016 World Series win. So Chris Bryant was traded to the Giants. Anthony Rizzo was traded to the Yankees. And Javier Baez to the Mets. Baez. All three players homered in their first appearance with their new clubs. It is I destiny, love it. clearly. I love it. I mean, listen, I'm a I'm a pseudo Cubs fan. Like I'm a okay. I'm a, like just like I'm a pseudo Bears guy. Like I feel like yeah. if I if I had to, if I was born and I was able to choose the city that I would live in, I I choose Chicago. I feel like I'm a Chicago type of guy. I was Mokan gonna say the there's thing, there's yeah. a uh, there's an alternate reality where you're in, where you're in uh, where you're living in uh, in Chicago. I can see. Yeah, that. like I I'd be from like I don't know if I'd be from like. Um, uh, South Chicago, what's it called? Uh, I think enough. South, not Southeast Boston. What am I thinking of? You'd be hey, in the Boston know. part I, of Chicago. I see. I'd be a, I'd be a Cubs I'd be a Cubs fan, not a Fair. White Sox fan. You know what I mean? Like I'd be I'd be a Northerner, and right. uh, I feel like I would love a few pierogies and stuff. And I love the fact that they just sold the house, fire sale, and now as a New York Mets fan, we get the benefit from Javi Baez. Oh, absolutely! And, and look, the Mets are clearly making a move for now. Um, the thing is. The names mean more than the players do at this point, right? Like they're not what they were in 2016. That's that's five years ago at this point, right? So, um, the the general manager's doing the right thing. They he's getting assets in return. They need to rebuild. You can't hold on to the players until they're useless because you don't want to have an Albert Pujols situation, right? You <laughs> you don't want to be carrying his corpse around from game to game. Um, I I think it was I think it's good for the parties involved, right? Because you still can squeeze something out of them, especially a team like the Mets. I, the Yankees are a weird sort of mess, but they're, they're still competitive. Um, and and I like Chris Bryant going to the Giants, who were surprisingly good this season. So um, teams who were in spots to make a move made moves, and the Cubs benefit by growing the farm system and getting the pieces to maybe make trades to get players later on. Uh, I gotta love it, man. I love I love the moves for them. It's good for them, and um, I love what they're calling uh, Chris Bryant in San Francisco. They're calling him Giant Bryant. Beautiful. Yeah, I like it. That's a good name. All right, next, a penny saved. Canadian swimmer and Canada's most decorated Olympian ever, Penny Oleksiak, uh, tweeted this on Twitter, uh, which basically says, "I go- just Google Canada's most decorated Olympian, and my name came up." I want to thank that teacher in high school who told me to stop swimming to focus on school because swimming wouldn't get me anywhere. This is what dreams are made of. She then got shit on like crazy wow. from all the educators and had to push this one out too, which said, also in reference to my last tweet, no shade at all toward teachers in general. My sister is a teacher and I see her inspiring kids every day. Most of my teachers saw the vision and pushed me towards it. That one who constantly dragged me down though. Whoa. Yeah, worst, worst of, of all time. time. Um, um, go ahead, Terry. She's one million percent right. How many? We we've all had one teacher that I've was had just, many. It was just awful. Yeah. Like just like, just shut the fuck up, man. Like I know you hate your life. Don't project your shitty life onto me. Uh, if I'm trying to do this because I want to be successful, then I'm gonna try to do this. If it doesn't work out, that's on me, not on you. Here's another thing: you can swim and go to class. <laughs> like lots yeah. of people do it. 
There's universities have athletics programs, <laughs> right? So a like, lot of people have D1 scholarships at exactly. good schools. Harvard has a swimming team. Like, go fuck yourself, teach. Here's the thing, Terry. I've been working in the, in the school system since I was 19 years old. I, I'm an educator. I'm a lifetime educator. Both my parents are teachers. My brother's a teacher. I saw the tweet and at no point was offended because it would be asinine to get offended by that. She's referring to a specific person she had a problem with. That's fine. <laughs> she should have named the person. Yeah. In, in fact, she did that person a kindness by not tagging them. <laughs> exactly. You know what you're I mean? welcome. So, and if um, you know which teacher you are, then you're already halfway there to being, to being, um, I'd say, not remorseful, but to, uh, to being woke, I'd say. If you know who you are and you're able to acknowledge the fact that you told this person to quit their dreams, to go to school, then you're like, you're halfway to being a jet, like a, normal human being yeah. yeah in fact that's how you should react when reading that too be like yeah exactly. she was right that I was fucked up. in fact if you can come out and say that and just handle the fact that she has to deal with people who are being assholes to her because of you um, yeah. th- that would be a good time to speak up great time great time vote alright next he went to Indy and Indianapolis Colts new quarterback Carson Wentz will be out 5 to 12 weeks with a foot injury which apparently has been there for a year since high school yeah. but only now is bothering him. He has loose bones. <laughs> How's so, that thing? Two days after that's reported and he comes out of successful surgery, left guard Quentin Nelson has been ruled out with the exact same injury going for the exact same surgery and will be out for the exact same time frame. Wow. Am I the only one who doesn't trust the Colts medical staff after they fucked up Andrew Luck? It goes further than that. Because Peyton Manning, why did he end up going to the Broncos? If you remember, a few weeks before the season started, all of a sudden he had this neck issue and had to miss a year. That's how they got... Andrew Luck in the first place. Um, I don't know everything that goes into this. I'm not, uh, I'm not anyone in medicine. I don't really understand this. But I do know this. It's three times in very short period of time that this has happened in your organization. And Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Bobby and Sander, Bob Sanders? Bob Sanders. Oh, my God. Jo- Joseph Adai? How does anybody uh, play there? Uh, it's like uh, Donald, Donald Brown. Uh yeah, Don Brunfeld. Edward James kind of kind of got banged up at the end of his career too. Yeah, but he was there towards he the end of his career. He was there for longer. So could, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there was a lot, man. Like, uh, there's something going on. Don't there. go there. <laughs> the last time you should on. go to Indy is for uh, the uh, the combine. Yeah. And if they if they trade if they draft you, demand a trade. Even if you're a seventh round pick, demand a trade. It's the only way to save your life. Only way. All right. Why would Rock you play in the AFC South anyway? <laughs> uh, rocker me like a hurricane. The New York Mets have decided not to sign first-round pick Kumar Rocker. Uh, agent Scott Boris will keep his client from returning to Vanderbilt, where he was drafted from, but insists he will be ready. Uh, Buster Onloy on Twitter has basically said... Buster only. The only the most, one of the most famous... Uh, Baseball journalists of all time. It's baseball. Nobody cares. Uh, MLB and the Players Association are jointly responsible for this, but how absurd is it that a team can draft a player and choose not to sign him, and then the player can't sign anywhere under the MLB umbrella? Makes no fucking sense. So I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that sentiment because, look, we know service time manipulation is a thing in the, in the MLB. We talked about Chris Bryant, right? The Cubs kept Chris Bryant in the minors for way too long just because... They didn't want to have to pay him twice. Um, and they, of course, got rid of him before that big contract ended. So 
Um, the thing is, is that Scott Boris is also playing um, playing the angel here. Yeah. Um, Scott Boris refuses to have team doctors look at his clients before they get drafted. Instead, he has a stable of doctors, of independent doctors that he sends them to, who never report any bad news. He arrived into the Mets organization, and there was a whole bunch of undisclosed medical information, and that's why the Mets didn't do it. And the thing is, baseball prospects, it's like a, a one. I think it's like you need to draft something like 14 players to find anyone who's serviceable. So it's a really low rate of return on, on investment uh, because you're drafting Wait. guys... Sorry, you agree with me, but I don't agree with uh, with Olney. I don't agree with Olney either. I think the oh, sentiment okay. of what he's saying is okay. right, but in this case here, again, I think it's we're Mets fans that we actually looked into it, like, why did you find this guy? Yeah, but yeah. The, the thing is, they get their eleventh pick back, and okay. and they got a guy essentially who failed the physical. So, I it doesn't. I understand what Olney's saying, and in general, teams manipulate service time in general teams control these guys yeah. for too long and, and put them put them in bad spots i don't think that's the case here if you if you decide if there's like some rule in place where the Mets say you know we don't this guy's not healthy enough we're not going to take him we drafted him in the first round whatever we can't take him he should be up for grabs that's the way i see it yeah he should be a free agent he should be a free agent and the Mets should get that pick back if they mm-hmm. if they can prove that there was information held by Scott Boris and these medical Which is doctors. Which easy to do. Mind you, Scott Boris is also basically the, the head of the Players Union right now. So He's also like the Drew Rosenhaus of baseball. He's well, also no, but like... Because he, he, they, they the, the players got raked over the coals when Tony Clark was the uh, the uh, the head of the union. Yeah. Um, so now Scott Boris brought in like a bulldog to represent the players. Because all of the top players are all... All the ones on the, on the executive panel are all his, his athletes. Oh and wow! They I didn't know got, that. went out and <laughs> hired funny. this. Guy. It, it baseball is going to have a strike soon. Yeah, yeah, and Scott Boris is going to be at the tip of it, and yeah. there's going to be a documentary about Scott Boris, like thirty for thirty, or like some sort of scandal. Yeah, something is going to be about. And last topic for today: assault on the riverboat. We talked a couple weeks ago about the new NFL policy for the whole COVID protocols and the vaccinations, etc., and the player responses. Uh, during a press conference, Coach Ron Rivera expresses frustration about unvaccinated players, essentially. And so TJ Ward, a member of WFT, decided to tweet, Don't blame others for your lifelong health decisions. Rivera, to remind everyone, is currently in remission from cancer treatment that he underwent last year and was trying to coach throughout the majority of it. So, yes, I, too, would hate my life if I chose to get cancer. That's yeah. not how cancer works. It's not. It's not. Fuck, man. I, you know, sometimes I just wish I had cancer. Why? Oh, Imagine. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> Sorry. I like, thought you were saying I was like, wait, what? what? Because <laughs> um, it's such a ridiculous concept that I didn't even get the joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like. I don't even know what TJ Ward is trying to say. Like, what what health decisions is he talking about? Is he talking about the cancer? Is he talking about like just living a healthy lifestyle? And I think that TJ Ward isn't articulate enough to be able to convey this message. Where I think you, I understood what he was trying to say. He's trying to say, you know, if you were healthy your entire life, you drank water, you ate, you know, you did the right thing, you wouldn't need to take the vaccine to stay healthy because there's a lot of science that proves that if you're just healthy on a day to day basis, then you can fight off the vaccine. You can, you, you know, whatever your body can build antibodies quicker. I get it, all that shit. But at the end of the day, you know, leave this guy's name out of it. The guy's literally gone through hell. Health wise, like, it's it's look. The thing is, this is becoming an issue that is 
becoming political in nature and where people just are picking sides and and just throwing stuff back and forth and it, it, it doesn't need to be that it doesn't and especially not by name um the thing is is that all of this the whole policy when i read it i was like oh the nfl does not want to lose money under any circumstance and so teams it will be the teams that pay the price not the league right not the league on the whole it'll be players losing game checks and teams uh losing out on, on the big paydays because Jerry Jones doesn't want to pay lost revenue for your team, right? And th- that's what that comes down to. And to me, it's very clear. It seems to be less clear to the players um, why it is that um, that this issue exists and why it is that the policy is in place. A policy agreed to by the Players Association, which again, we've t- talked about a weak Players Association right now with Demora Smith. Um, but you know what? At least, unlike a Cole Beasley, TJ Ward didn't uh, create a rap album about it, so he saved us that. <laughs> I never thought in my lifetime, Terry, I'd have to say, I'd have to say, Cole Beasley wrote a rap album about a vaccine. He's good though; he's actually a good he's rapper. Okay. And I don't, and I, and I agree with a lot of what Cole Beasley says. That's where I stand. But I'm also yeah. vaccinated, so what am I going to say? Well, his, sta- his statement his statement made more sense than his initial stance. Um, of course, yeah, because he's, he, had he was able it. to speak. Yeah, yeah, um, and it wasn't off the cuff. It wasn't something he was running on social media. So, yeah, um, yeah I agree with you at that point. Uh, Terry, thanks for all the great work you've done today. Thank you, Stephanie Medeiros, for joining us. Uh, she's a wonderful guest. Eagle, thank you for all the work you've done. And thank you all for letting me be myself. Oh, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things. Love you. You've hot been fantasy. to Hot Sauce hot Sports. Sauce.